0: Section twenty four of the Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, Volume One B. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government by Jefferson Davis, Volume One B. Part four, Chapter nine. B. Humiliating concessions of the governor to the United States government for the sake of peace. Demands of the federal officers. Revolutionary principles attempted to be enforced by the United States government. The action at Boonville. The Patriot army of militia. Further rout of the enemy. Heroism and self-sacrifice of the people complaints and embarrassments, zeal its effects, action of Congress, battle of Springfield, General Price, battle at Lexington, bales of hemp, other combats. The words of a governor of a state who offered such truly generous terms deserve to be inserted. Quote, Nothing but the most earnest desire to avert the horrors of civil war from our beloved state could have tempted me to propose these humiliating terms. They were rejected by the federal officers. End quote. These demanded not only the disorganization and disarming of the state militia and the nullification of the military bill, but they refused to disarm their own home guard and insisted that the government of the united states should enjoy an unrestricted right to move and station its troops throughout the state whenever and wherever it might in the opinion of its officers be necessary either for the protection of its loyal subjects or for the repelling of invasion and they plainly announced that it was the intention of the administration to take military occupation of the whole state and to reduce it, as avowed by General Lyon, to the exact condition of Maryland. We have already stated that the revolutionary measures which the United States government had undertaken to enforce involved the subjection of every state, either by voluntary submission or subjugation. However much a state might desire peace and neutrality, its own will could not elect. The scheme demanded the absolute sovereignty of the government of the United States, or in other words, the extinguishment of the independence and sovereignty of the state. Human actions are not only the fruit of the ruling motive, but they are also the evidence of the existence of that motive. Thus, when we see the governor of the state of Missouri offering such generous terms to the government of the United States in order to preserve peace and neutrality, and the latter rejecting them, avow its intention to do its will with the authorities, the property and the citizens of the state, and proceed with military force to do it, its actions are both the evidence and the fruit of its theory. These measures were revolutionary in the extreme. They involved the entire subversion of those principles on which the American Union was founded, and of the compact or constitution of that union the government of the united states in the hands of those who wielded its authority was made the bloody instrument to establish these usurpations on the ruins of the crushed hopes of mankind for permanent freedom under constitutional government for the justness and truthfulness of these allegations i appeal to the impartial and sober judgment of posterity the volunteers who were assembled under this proclamation of governor jackson of june thirteenth had few arms except their squirrel rifles and shotguns and could scarcely be said to have any military equipments the brigadier generals who were appointed were assigned to geographical divisions and with such men as they could collect reported in obedience to their orders at boonville and lexington on the twentieth of june eighteen sixty one general lyon and colonel f p blair with an estimated force of seven thousand well-armed troops having eight pieces of artillery ascended the missouri river and debarked about five miles below boonville to oppose them the missourians had there about eight hundred men poorly armed without a piece of artillery, and but little ammunition. With courage, which must be commended at the expense of their discretion, they resolved to engage the enemy, and after a combat of an hour and a half or more, retired, having inflicted heavy loss upon the enemy, and suffering but little themselves. This first skirmish between the Federal troops and the Missouri militia inspired confidence in their fellow citizens and checked the contemptuous terms in which the militia had been spoken of by the enemy governor jackson with some two hundred and fifty to three hundred of the militia engaged in the action at boonville started toward the southwestern portion of the state he marched in the direction of a place called coal camp and when within twelve or fifteen miles of it learned that a force of seven hundred to one thousand of the enemy had been sent to that point by General Lyon and Colonel Blair, with the view of intercepting his retreat. The design, however, was frustrated by an expedition consisting of about 350 men, commanded by Colonel O'Kane, who had assembled them in a very few hours in the neighborhood south of the enemy's camp. There were no pickets out, except in the neighborhood of Jackson's forces, and Colonel O'Kane surprised the enemy where they were asleep in two large barns. The attack was made at daybreak. The enemy routed after suffering the heavy loss of 206 killed and more wounded, and more than a 100 prisoners. 362 muskets with bayonets were captured. The Missourians lost four killed and 15 or 20 wounded. General Price, with a view to draw his army from the baseline of the enemy, the Missouri River, Ordered his troops to the southwestern portion of the state a column from lexington marched without transportation without tents or blankets and relied for subsistence on the country through which it passed being in the meantime closely pursued by the enemy the movement was successfully made and a junction effected in cedar county with the forces present with governor jackson the total when assembled was about thirty-six hundred men. This, then, was the Patriot Army of Missouri. It was a heterogeneous mass, representing every condition of Western life. There were the old and young, the rich and poor, the grave and gray, the planter and laborer, the farmer and clerk, the hunter and boatman, the merchant and woodsman. At least five hundred of these men were entirely unarmed many had only the common rifle and shotgun none were provided with cartridges or canteens they had eight pieces of cannon but no shells and very few solid shot or rounds of grape and canister rude and almost incredible devices were made to supply these wants trace irons iron rods hard pebbles and smooth stones were substituted for shot and evidence of the effect of such rough missiles was to be given in the next encounter with the enemy. Governor Jackson continued his march toward southwestern Missouri. He had received reliable intelligence that he was pursued by General Lyon from the northeast and by Lane and Sturgis from the northwest, their supposed object being to form a junction in his rear, and he subsequently learned that a column numbering three thousand had been sent out from St. Louis to intercept his retreat, and had arrived at the town of Carthage immediately in his front. These undisciplined, poorly armed Missourians were, therefore, in a position which would have appalled less heroic men, a large hostile force in their rear, and another nearly equal in numbers to their own disputing their passage in front. They, however, cheerfully moved forward, attacked the enemy in position and after a severe engagement routed him pursued him to a second position from which he was again driven falling back to carthage where he made his last stand and upon being driven from which as was subsequently ascertained continued his retreat all night the killed and wounded of the enemy left along the route of this retreat over a space of ten miles were estimated at from 150 to 200 killed and from 3 to 400 wounded several hundred muskets were captured and the missourians were better prepared for future conflicts our loss was between 40 and 50 killed and from 125 to 150 wounded if any shall ask why i have entered into such details of engagements Where the forces were comparatively so small, and the results so little affected the final issue of the war? The reply is that such heroism and self-sacrifice as these undisciplined, partially armed, unequipped men displayed against superior numbers possessed of all the appliances of war claim special notice as bearing evidence not only of the virtue of the men, but the sanctity of the cause which, could so inspire them unsupported saved by the consciousness of a just cause without other sympathy than that which the confederate states fully gave despising the plea of helplessness and defying the threats of a powerful government to crush her missouri without arms or other military preparation took up the gauntlet thrown at her feet and dared to make war in defense of the laws and liberties of her people. My motive for promptly removing the seat of government, after authority was given by the Provisional Congress, has been heretofore stated, but proximity to the main army of the enemy, and the flanking attacks by which the new capital was threatened, did not diminish the anxiety which had been felt before removal from Montgomery in regard to affairs in missouri the far west of the confederacy the state which forty years before had been admitted to the union against sectional resistance to the right guaranteed by the constitution and specifically denominated in the treaty for the acquisition of louisiana now because her governor refused to furnish troops for the unconstitutional purpose of coercing states became the subject of special hostility and the object of extraordinary efforts for her subjugation. The little which it would have been possible for the Confederacy to do to promote her military efficiency was diminished by the anomalous condition in which the State troops remained until some time in the second year of the war. A strange misapprehension, led to unreasonable complaints under the supposition that missouri was generally neglected and her favorite officer general price was not accorded a commission corresponding to his merit and the wishes of the people it is due to that gallant soldier and true patriot that it should here be stated that he was not a party to any such complaints knew they were unfounded and realized that his wishes for the defenses of missouri were fully reciprocated by the executive of the confederacy all of which was manifested in the correspondence between us before missouri had tendered any troops to the confederate states it was his statement of the difficulties and embarrassments which surrounded him that caused me to write to the governor of missouri on the twenty first of december eighteen sixty one stating to him my anxiety to have the troops of Missouri tendered and organized into brigades and divisions, so that they might be rendered more effective, and we be better able to provide for them by the appointment of general officers and otherwise. For a full understanding of the nature and degree of the complaints and embarrassments referred to, I here insert my reply to letters sent to me by the Hon. John B. Clark, M.C., of Missouri. Richmond, Virginia, January 8, 1862. Quote, Honorable John B. Clark, Richmond, Virginia. Sir, I have received the two letters from Governor Jackson sent by you this day. The Governor speaks of delay by the authorities of Richmond and neglect of the interests of Missouri and expresses the hope that he has said enough to be well understood by me when i remember that he wrote in reply to my call upon him to hasten the tender of missouri troops so that they should be put upon the footing of those of other states and with a knowledge that as militia of the state i had no power to organize or appoint commanders for them and that it was his duty to attend to their wants but that i had sent an agent of the confederate government as far as practicable to furnish the necessary supplies to the militia of missouri actually in service i can only say i hope he is not understood by me it is but a short time since in a conversation of ours i fully explained to you the ease so far as i am connected with it and there is nothing for me to add to what you then seem to consider conclusive very respectfully yours, Jefferson Davis. End quote. As is usually the case when citizens are called from their ordinary pursuits for the purposes of war, the people of Missouri did not then realize the value of preparation in camp and were reluctant to enroll themselves for long periods. The state, even less than the Confederate government, could not supply them with the arms, munitions, and equipage necessary for campaigns and battles and sieges under all these disadvantages it is a matter of well-grounded surprise that they were able to achieve so much the missourians who fought at vicksburg and who after that long trying and disastrous siege asked when in the camp of parole prisoners not if they could get a furlough not if they might go home when released but how soon they might hope to be exchanged and resume their places in the line of battle. Show of what metal the Missouri troops were made, and of what they were capable when tempered in the fiery furnace of war. I can recall few scenes during the war which impressed me more deeply than the spirit of those worn prisoners waiting for the exchange that would again permit them to take the hazards of battle for the cause of their country this memory leads me to recur with regret to my inability in the beginning of the war to convince the governor of missouri of the necessity for thorough organization and the enrollment of men for long terms instead of loose combinations of militia for periods always short and sometimes uncertain General Price possessed an extraordinary power to secure the personal attachment of his troops and to inspire them with a confidence which served in no small degree as a substitute for more thorough training. His own enthusiasm and entire devotion to the cause he served were infused throughout his followers and made them all their country's own. To Lord Wellington has been attributed the remark that he did not want zeal in a soldier, and to napoleon the apothegm that providence is on the side of the heavy battalions zeal was oftentimes our main dependence and on many a hard-fought field served to drive our small battalions like a wedge through the serried ranks of the enemy the confederate states yet in their infancy and themselves engaged in an unequal struggle for existence by act of their congress declared that if missouri was engaged in repelling a lawless invasion of her territory by armed forces it was their right and duty to aid the people and government of said state in resisting such invasion and in securing the means and the opportunity of expressing their will upon all questions affecting their rights and liberties with small means compared to their wants The Confederate Congress, on the 6th of August, appropriated $1 million to aid the people of the state of Missouri in the effort to maintain, within their own limits, the constitutional liberty which it is the purpose of the Confederate states in the existing war to vindicate, etc. In the next battle after that of Carthage, which has been noticed, Missourians were no longer to be alone general mccullough commanding a brigade of confederate troops marched from arkansas to make a junction with general price then threatened with an attack by a large force of the enemy under general lyon which was concentrated near springfield missouri the battle was fiercely contested but finally won by our troops in this action general lyon was killed while gallantly endeavoring to rally his discomfited troops and led them to the charge. While we cannot forget the cruel wrongs he had inflicted and sought still further to impose upon an unoffending people, we must accord to him the redeeming virtue of courage and recognize his ability as a soldier. On this occasion, General Price exhibited in two instances the magnanimity, self-denial, and humanity which ever characterized him. General McCullough, claimed the right to command as an officer of the confederate states army general price though he ranked him by a grade replied that he was not fighting for distinction but for the defense of the liberties of his countrymen and that it mattered but little what position he occupied he said he was ready to surrender not only the command but his life as a sacrifice to the cause he surrendered the command and took a subordinate position though. He felt assured of victory. The second instance was an act of humanity to his bitterest enemy. General Lyons, surgeon, came in for his body under a flag of truce after the close of the battle, and General Price sent it in his own wagon. But the enemy, in his flight, left the body unshrouded in Springfield. The next morning, August eleventh, Lieutenant Colonel Gustavus Elgin and colonel r h musser two members of brigadier general clark's staff caused the body to be properly prepared for burial after the battle of springfield general mccullough returned with his brigade to his former position in arkansas john c fremont had been appointed a general and assigned to the command made vacant by the death of general lyon he signalized his entrance upon the duty by a proclamation confiscating the estates and slave property of rebels. On the 10th of September, when General Price was about to go into camp, he learned that a detachment of Federal troops was marching from Lexington to Warrensburg to seize the funds of the bank in that place and to arrest and plunder the citizens of Johnson County, in accordance with General Fremont's proclamation and instructions. General Price resumed his march, and pressing rapidly forward, with his mounted men, arrived about daybreak at Warrensburg, where he learned that the enemy had hastily fled about midnight. He then decided to move with his whole force against Lexington. He found the enemy in strong entrenchments and well supplied with artillery. The place was stubbornly defended. The siege proper commenced on the 18th of September 1861 and with varying fortunes. Fierce combats continued through that day and the next. On the morning of the twentieth, General Price ordered a number of bales of hemp to be transported to the point from which the advance of his troops had been repeatedly repulsed. They were ranged in a line for a breastwork, and, when rolled before the men as they advanced, formed a moving rampart which was proof against shot, and only to be overcome by a sortie in force, which the enemy did not dare to make. On came the hempen breastworks while Price's artillery continued an effective fire. In the afternoon of the twentieth the enemy hung out a white flag upon which General Price ordered a cessation of firing and sent to ascertain the object of the signal. The Federal forces surrendered as prisoners of war to the number of thirty-five hundred, also seven pieces of artillery, over three thousand stand of muskets, a considerable number of sabers, a valuable supply of ammunition, a number of horses, a large amount of commissary stores, and other property. Here were also recovered the great seal of the state and the public records, and about $900,000 of which the Bank of Lexington had been robbed. General Price caused the money to be at once returned to the bank. After the first day of the siege of Lexington, General Price learned that Lane and Montgomery from Kansas, with about four hundred men, and General Sturgis with fifteen hundred cavalry, were on the north side of the Missouri River, advancing to reinforce the garrison at Lexington. At the same time, and from the same direction, Colonel Saunders, with about twenty-five hundred Missourians, was coming to the aid of General Price. General D. R. Atchison, who had long been a United States senator from Missouri, and at the time of his resignation was President Pro Tem of the Senate. was sent by General Price to meet the command of Colonel Saunders, and hasten them forward. He joined them at the north bank of the river, and after all but about five hundred had been ferried over, General Acheson still remaining with these, they were unexpectedly attacked by the force from Kansas. The ground was densely wooded, and partially covered with water. The Missourians, led and cheered by one they had so long and deservedly honored, met the assault with such determination, and fighting with the skill of woodsmen and hunters, that they put the enemy to rout, pursuing him for a distance of ten miles, and inflicting heavy loss upon him, while that of the Missourians was but five killed and twenty wounded. The expedient of the bales of hemp was a brilliant conception not unlike that which made Tarik the saracen warrior immortal and gave his name to the northern pillar of hercules the victories in missouri which have been noticed and which so far exceeded what might have been expected from the small forces by which they were achieved had caused an augmentation of the enemy's troops to an estimated number of seventy thousand against these the army of general price could not hope successfully to contend he therefore retired toward the southwestern part of the state the want of supplies and transportation compelled him to disband a portion of his troops with the rest he continued his retreat to neosho by proclamation of governor jackson the legislature had assembled at this place and had passed the ordinance of secession if other evidence were wanting the fact that without governmental aid, without a military chest, without munitions of war, the campaign which has been described had so far been carried on by the voluntary service of the citizens and the free-will offerings of the people must be conclusive that the ordinance of secession was the expression of the popular will of Missouri. The forces of Missouri again formed a junction with the Confederate troops under General McCullough, and together they moved to pineville in macdonald county end of chapter 9 recording by bill mosley lano county texas usa